Hi everyone, welcome to Where Credits Do, Tearsheet's podcast covering the latest trends in lending. I'm your host, Yulia Tutina, senior reporter at Tearsheet. Today, we'll be talking about the small and medium-sized business sector and how it's becoming increasingly supported by digital lenders. Securing loans from traditional banks is very tough for small businesses. It's a long and complicated process, and it's not that likely they'll get the cash they need. Only 15% of small business applications get approved at big banks, for example. This is another reason why digital players like Square and PayPal are able to be some of the largest small business lenders in the U.S., giving out billions of dollars in loans to the small business sector in 2021 alone. And that is the reason why the two companies are my guests today. I talked to Luke Voilis, General Manager at Square Banking, and Bernardo Martinez, Vice President of Global Merchant Lending at PayPal, to hear their thoughts on small business lending. Well, thank you everyone for participating. I'm very excited to have you both on the show to discuss small business lending. Uh, It's an area where both PayPal and Square are um, leading digital lenders. Um, Small businesses are the core segment of the American economy, but they've been historically overlooked by traditional banking providers. As small businesses look to expand their operations, they're increasingly looking to fintechs rather than traditional financial institutions. So I'm wondering here to get each of your feedback on what drives small businesses to get financing from digital lenders rather than go to traditional banks. I think at the end, I think the situation is, as we we all know, that the SMBs have been hitting very hard by the pandemic. And, you know, it's clear that today when you do any surveys, you know, one in five are, you know, are suffering from shortage of, you know, inventories, you know, or larger shortage or things like that. So it's, it's, that's, it's a clear, it's a clear problem. And I think that the ultimate issue is that that being been misunderstood for a while for the traditional banking industry and the, the lenders like PayPal have been at the forefront trying to use data and and really to to really overcome some of the fears that they have when they go when they apply for a loan. I mean, think about it this way: traditional banks typically have not invested in these processes, and you know the the customers when you talk to them, really the, they don't really know how to start with the bank. Actually, thirty seventy five percent of they will tell you, I go to their bank, and they don't really know what data they need in order to apply with it. So I think at the end, what we have done as PayPal is, is is really trying to come up with tools and solutions that deliver this in a fair and transparent manner, l- lending to them so they can now go and buy their their solution. So so I think that's why they have looked to companies like us and, and you know to the extent square to do that. And and I think that's the what we have seen happening since we launched our program and we have been able to fulfill more than a million customers in this effort. So so it's a it's a it's a it's a true evolution that we have been able to come uh, and help those SMBs and solve their needs. Yeah, I mean, plus one to everything Bernardo said. Like, it's it, there's some pretty great data from the Federal Reserve about what's happened to small businesses through the cycle. I think 82% tried to get a PPP loan. Right, they needed help um, coming through cycle. And now that we're coming out the other side, um, this is where this is where we're seeing um, kind of the market start to stabilize, which is great for the SMB customers that we serve. 
just to the, to the question of like why like why they go to digital versus traditional banks like it it really boils down to time i think and access right many many of these micro businesses that we serve just don't don't have like the banks just don't serve these populations they're just too small they might not have credit scores um, and so it's just really tough for them to go get access. And then the process is just very, very much time consuming if you go into a traditional bank and try to get a loan. And so when these businesses, which many of them are just sole props, are trying to like manage their family, manage their business, grow their business, like it's it's just a it's just a prioritization of time and resources. And they just if they can get a loan quickly from a digital lender, then they'll do it. But if and like they have some confidence that they might be able to get one as well, right? If, when you think about the traditional bank. Um, it's lower confidence that they have even access, and then the, the the thought process of like even trying to put together the paper package of documents to get that loan is just overwhelming for the small businesses that are just trying to kind of start and grow what are very much new small businesses, right? Definitely. So what I'm hearing is it it's, it boils a lot down a lot to user interface and making it quick, making it easy. Um, and, but I'm also wondering um, to dive a little bit into the underwriting process, because that's also been one of the main pillars of small business lending that's been historically difficult to do. So what makes it easier now for players such as yourselves and what role does alternative data play here? I think generally speaking, you know, the data that we use in our case, PayPal, is really using our payment information that we have available because we process loans and that definitely have created an advantage for us in, in terms of the, the data that we can consume and really predict their ability to repay uh, the, the customer. So that's just certainly an element here. I do think that some of that data may have been available to banks as well. They just haven't invested in the infrastructure. So, but again, I think the ultimate goal here is that as, as the economy continues to digitize, correct, we are gonna be able to use more information that it was probably not as scalable uh, in a in a in a in a traditional underwriting process, and now we can scale. You know, when you look at payment data that's digitized, now you can go to a level of granularity beyond total sales that otherwise, if you'd have that data digitized, it would have been practical to do. So I think it's a it's an evolution in our digitization process that is happening throughout the economy that is enables companies like us to to really take advantage of that and produce an outcome that is far simpler from a customer perspective and provide. Uh, you know, a good turnaround from a from a decisioning perspective, which is really at the end what the SMBs are looking for. Let me like I'll pile on here. So let me talk like just describe like what the old kind of world of traditional bank underwriting looks like, just to make make folks understand or help folks understand what digital means, right? A traditional bank needs usually two like you have to get a validated kind of long time frame view to see trends on, on what's going on with the data. So it's really validated data and a trended data set of some kind. So the way the banks would do it is get like two years of audited financial statements and two years of tax returns, right? So that that to them, somebody else has double checked it. They filed it with the government. There's some validation there. Like it's it's legit, and you can see at least a trend over two year time frame. It may be six months old because they filed these things six months ago, but at least it's some snapshot of a validate validated trended view. Um, what's different about like the customers that we serve, and I think PayPal serves too, is that they're super small. They may not even have. They might even have an LLC. Like they're going to be a sole prop that just started their business. But the data set that we, we can both use is this like credit card transaction strip. You can see every single transaction with the customer's permission to, 
to offer them a loan because you can see that last year they processed or even in the last three months, they processed call it $100,000 in credit card transactions. With machine learning models, you're able to predict um, what the next 12 months looks like and you can pretty safely give them 10 or 15% of that amount to say, hey, like we'll just we'll just get paid back out of these, these future cash flow streams that we predict on your business. And so it is just a kind of different mindset of underwriting as well. You don't need that holistic view. You just need to very accurately predict one thing with very like uh, like unbelievable validation because we actually move the money through our system we know it's real because we've actually moved the money with our processing partners right and so it's just a it's just a sort of a mindset shift on how this happens and that's that's just the payments cash flow stream all of these other data sources like bank transaction data process data through other places like the consumer and commercial bureau data can be useful as well still, but it is kind of 30, 60, 90 days old usually, right? So we're trying to pull in more real-time data sources to get to that holistic view of the business. And what that fundamentally allows is us to actually make financial services fair, accessible, and inclusive, which is what the mission of, of Block and Square is. We're out here trying to help these customers that don't traditionally have access to financial services get access to it. And so we're serving these micro-businesses that have under $100,000 in revenue. So I talked a bit about how traditional banks need validated trended views of data, um, audited financial statements um, and tax returns. Um, and then compared that to the, the way that we underwrite using just a, a cash flow stream of like past credit card data, where you can see with three or six months of past transaction data, you can very accurately predict what the next 12 months um, of the transaction data is going to look like. So we know we know pretty well what we think the next 12 months look like. We can lend our small business customers 10, 15% of that and feel pretty comfortable that we're like from it's a prudent loan because we can predict accurately what that cash flow stream is. Um, and so what that actually allows us to do is to, to really drive the purpose of what Square is here to do. Um, we're here to make financial services fair, accessible and inclusive for our customers. And so using these data streams um, allows us to completely bypass what the traditional financial services market does, which is use co consumer credit scores and commercial credit scores and audited financial statements and all the stuff you have to have years of being in business and years of building your own personal credit to actually get access to the financial services system. And so what, when, when we can simply use one stream of cash flow and lend against that, you don't have to use all of these inherently biased data sets, where with credit scores, you have to have a loan to get a credit score. And in order to get a loan, you have to have a credit score. So there's just inherent bias built into the system. And so what that's allowed us to do is just open up access to those that just don't have access anywhere else. So you can see it in the numbers that, of, of the loans we made as well, right? 51% of our loans have gone to women-owned businesses. The SBA comparison, I think, is 27%. Um, go in the 7A program, go to women-owned businesses. 32% uh, of our sellers identify as business owners of color, um, which is above, above the average for SBA as well. Um, and so it's just a, it's a story of like just bypassing this paper-based traditional like validated system to get to brand new data sets that are by definition validated because we're actually moving the money on our customer's behalf from the credit card um, all the way through into our customer's bank account. Um, and so we know with, with certainty that those cash flows are accurate and that we have a trended view because we have multiple months of historical data that we can use to then underwrite. That's just one small like sliver of what these businesses are doing. So bringing in other data sources through bank transaction data and other like kind of more like alternative sources is just going to improve these models over time and allow us to continue to serve these underserved customers over time. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm thinking of this, you know, all these developments that you've mentioned, 
And um, essentially what is a huge competitive advantage over, you know, the traditional folks. Um, so considering these dynamics, what do you make of um, banks pushing into small business lending by acquiring fintechs and basically acquiring these capabilities? Um, uh, as we've seen with Cabbage and OnDeck, for example. I think it's interesting. If you look at if you look at the Cabbage Amex deal, it's more of a data play. Like they don't they don't have the they're, they're trying to figure out how to get access to larger alternative data sets so they can then underwrite and then sell the same product to their traditional customers. Um, and so you, it's like with, with with fintech lending, it's a you have to have a cheap way to acquire customers. So embedded finance just makes it easier by definition. Right? We have a ton of Square customers processing card. PayPal has a ton of of customers already and they can add financial services to it. The banks have broad swaths of customers and try to cross sell, but they just can't figure out the whole like FinTech part, right? Which is how do you get the data in? How do you create a credit model that's going to work for this population? And how do you serve that population and then convince your credit committee that it's a good idea to go make it happen? And so the, the problem though is you run into the, the board and the decision-making organizations within the banks, and they're, they're going to need to get approval from 10 different people to actually make anything happen. So it's, it's, they almost can't get out of their own way. I think JP Morgan has recently announced that they're trying to shift to a more square-like structure, where they're going to have 25 like mini CEOs, they call it. Um, Amazon famously, and now Square also has like single-threaded leaders that run small business units. It gives them the control to actually go make decisions and execute quickly. So Yes, the banks and traditional financial institutions can buy fintechs, but they have to get out of their own way from a board structure perspective, too. But I think JP Morgan's trying to run that experiment and say, hey, look, let's just give more control to the mini CEOs and let them buy these fintechs and let them go. Goldman's done a pretty good job with Marcus and trying to go direct to consumer as well. But it's a customer acquisition problem. So, right. Yeah, so talking to a little, talking about what Luke mentioned about it, like at the end, it's a mindset issue in, in the sense that, you know, Banks have to go. It's it's a legacy issue. Most of their data and infrastructure is not set for mining the data and take advantage of that data in a simplistic way. And they they may actually be able to use a third party buy a company and accelerate that. But at the end of the day, as Luke mentioned, they have to go through multiple commitments committees to really get this approved and get the resources and investment that are required to take advantage of this. And sometimes banks have other opportunities and SMB have not been in the top of the list. And that's the reason why you don't see them acting as fast as they, as they have probably have done in other segments. So are there, there are certain customers for sure that are trying to go that route uh, in the industry and, and they're definitely taking advantage of it. But even those who are taking advantage of that, they're making that decision and acquiring some companies, as you mentioned, it's taking time to deploy the resources to really take fully advantage. And I think the companies like PayPal and Square, I mean, or Block at the end, are, are, they're trying to do it. It's just they're devoted to the segment. They're really, they live into serving those customers. And therefore, our resources and capabilities are really here to serve them. So that's why we have been able to advance faster our capabilities and we see more product and services be launched and, and to serve those customers and be more successful. So it's going to take a while for the banks to catch up, even though they may acquire some fintechs in the, in, along the way. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, the pandemic uh, was a challenging time for small business lenders. The economic uncertainty manifested in the credit profile of lots of small businesses across the U.S., but in 2021, there's been an increasing demand for financing. What are the main drivers that have been 
behind the recent post-pandemic growth that we've seen in small business lending? You know, I'll, I'll start with, uh, in our case, I mean, I think coming back to some of the initial conversation I have, SMBs today, after the pandemic, I think that I would say a lot of them have, have lost sort of the, the fear that loan having a loan is a bad thing. And therefore, they're now more open to do that because they know that in order to grow their businesses, there are new opportunities that were not present today. So think about of a restaurant. Think about, a, you know, pre-pandemic, it was serving, you know, walk-ins only. And now, basically, thirty percent of the business is actually sold to platforms that are not. They were not. Oh, they were present, but they were not. They were not taking advantage of it. So they're rethinking about opportunity, how to grow and build their business. And some of those alternative or new, new opportunities require capital. So they're seeing loans as a as a way to provide capital or provide capital for their growth initiative. So I think that there's a little bit of a shift mindset, if you will. So I think we're seeing some of those in our business, in our in our sector, where people are saying, "I need." capital to invest in my digital play, how I can sell in social, how can I, you know, buy more inventory now, because now I'm not serving a five mile radius in my restaurant, I'm serving like 30 miles radius in my restaurant, you know, do I need to be in, you know, do I need to bring a new line only for takeouts and delivery, because now I serve two different constituencies. So, so I think some of those, those some, some of the items that you're, you're observing, in addition to that, there is, you know, we, we all have started to see a little bit more inflation and, and supply chain uh, issues, and they're trying to source issue areas from, from source, you know, a higher cost of labor, but also a potential different suppliers that require additional capital. So there's, you know, I would say between inventory, you know, higher cost to, to provide and, and new ideas to grow their businesses are the ones that are triggering sort of the needs for capital. And, and, and they're basically taking that as an opportunity to, to really grow their business and, and really shape how their, their business behave in the future and taking that more of a digital approach. I'll, I'll, I'll pile on here. Like it's, it's a, I think it, confidence is, is back, right? Like business confidence was broken for a minute. Um, when you, like, there's an example of a, a seller uh, of Square who has a store probably a two-minute walk from my house. It's an acai place. He opened up a month before the pandemic started, right? And then had to battle his way through for the next like year and a half to make sure he could stay in business. Um, luckily, the city let him open up a broad set of like outdoor seating to let him catch up pretty quickly. But now, like business is back to normal. He's doing great. Like the, the demand from consumers is, is 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 back as well. Like I think, I think a lot of the stimulus um, over time, like that's the story of the last call, call it twelve to eighteen months, um, has driven kind of excess demand. The supply is what the supply is, a product, and that is driving some inflation. But the excess demand has been driven. The customers are back and buying. That increases. Like business confidence, and so like they think it's time to it's time to grow potentially. I'll take a loan and I'll I'll expand my business and we grow online, open an online store. It's it's nice to see these businesses feel confident enough to to take the capital and to expand. Um, I think our last set of numbers in Q4 21 was that we did we helped a hundred thousand small businesses get loans. It was eight hundred and fifty million dollars in that quarter of loan volume, which is pretty amazing, um, above where we were pre-pandemic. Which is like it's it's excellent. It's really nice to see the customers and the small businesses kind of get back on their feet and keep going. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's that's uh, it's really great to see everyone kind of you know coming back you know into regular life and um, you know serve uh, businesses such as yourselves uh, serving the sector, which is really crucial. It has been suffering a lot through the pandemic. Um, 
Now, I want to touch on another trend here. Um, one of the biggest trends in the industry at the moment is embedded finance. And I'm curious, how do you see small businesses interact with le embedded lending in the future? Are you thinking about that? Is Are these some types of capabilities that you're, you know, perhaps it's on your horizon? I, mean, I, I can go first on this one, I guess. I mean, yeah. fundamentally, that is what Square Banking is, right? We are an embedded finance business and an embedded banking business. Um, it's always been with the customer focus, though. So to think about like the journey of a small business customer, this is the easiest way to describe all the all the pain points that we're solving for our customers over time. Um, so a, a small business gets started; it's a sole prop. They want to accept credit cards, like just selling something at the farmers market. Like that was Square's original idea. Like here is your little device that plugs into your phone that lets you accept cards. Like that's amazing. I can go, like like accept many more. I can't don't have to deal with cash anymore. I can just accept credit cards. That, the challenge though, the next problem that pops up after that is that that's awesome, but if somebody paid me in cash, I could then take that cash and go to the next stall and buy my lunch if I needed to. The whole payment setup causes a two or three day delay in getting the money from those credit card transactions. And so then you add, or we added, instant transfer, where the customer can immediately and instantly get the money deposited in their outside bank account and then use their debit card instantly to go go then shop at the next square seller and the next stall over, right, with, with the, the device. Um, that's all well and good for customers that actually have an outside bank account. But if you if you don't, what do you do? Well, okay, we'll give them a debit card. We'll we'll push the limit, like start start working on KYC and KYB to open up to more and more and more of these businesses that may not have a FICO score or a credit score or any credit profile at all to start letting these small business sole props get access to to financial services in the form of a debit card attached to an FBO account. And so the cash flow coming in can be immediately spent on the debit card that we offer at the next stall. Um, but the challenge there is that that's the only way to get money into that account, right? So then, okay, let's add an ACH and routing number and let them actually move money in from whatever source they want. It's their first bank account, potentially, definitely their first small business bank account. Um, and you let them, you open up other ways to get ACH in, let them deposit cash and money. And you start then adding more and more banking features over time. Like that's, that's the story of the embedded finance that, that Square Banking has become over time. Right? Like we're trying to add more and more table stakes features for these businesses over time. They need to send checks. Businesses just need to send checks and accept checks. So we have mobile check deposit coming and sending checks coming. So the table stakes features are just based on the prioritized ask of our, our micro business, the uniqueness of our micro business customers. We continue to solve those problems one at a time and continue to build out a broader kind of embedded full suite of financial services, not just embedded lending. It's embedded financial services uh, for these small business customers. And we're going to do it globally and we're going to go up market. If you look at Square's, if you look at Square's underlying small business growth, it's coming from larger sellers. It's coming from international sellers, and we're going to be chasing that um, as an attached business um, around the world to to launch these this suite of financial services products to to help customers in other countries and larger customers get access to these financial services in a way that is just easier for them to use and in an automated, like simple fashion. You don't have to go into the banks anymore. Um, so we're pretty excited about it. like the fact that. We have this data set. We have the, the, the at scale business ready to support it, and then add these other features is exciting. Like these, some of these small businesses just can't get the same type of services up, up, up at other places. So it's exciting. Yeah, I think you know, I think in our case it's similar. I think we have, 
you know, we we have sort of the same kind of use case that Luke was talking about. I think we started, you know, with merchant lending and we have a suite of products and, you know, we have been very focused not only doing capital in the U.S. but abroad and we've been very geographically focused on it and we have multiple products that in multiple countries that we serve. Uh, but also we we kind of similar to Luke, I mean, we, we, we know that some customers get paid in their PayPal account and basically we have a debit card product as well that they can use to buy other things outside. So I think we will continue to you know, build our solutions according to the requirements of our customers. In our case, we, you know, we're seeing that customers use a debit card or actually use checkout from PayPal in order to buy their products in other players that they're, they're sourcing their inventory from. And that's sort of the ultimate sort of area. So lending and financial services and products that we can come up with, with the ultimate goal to have a very simple approach from them from one place to be able to fulfill all their needs in a very simple, transparent, and easy way than traditional players may have not been able to accommodate because of the way they grow up in their in their ecosystems and the technology they use. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, as we're getting close to the end here, I'd like to you know have a forward-looking question at the end. Um, so how do you see your position going forward in the small business lending space? What What are you keeping an eye on? You know, I think, you know, we're, we're keeping on, I mean, we all are competing very fiercely for a, a set of customers. And I think the ultimate goal, I'm, I'm very focused on in, in a few things. Number one, what are the data elements that are going to be continued to help us advance our ability to make better decisions and simplify the process? So data is one element that I think is very important, how we can make it seamless from a customer perspective. Number two, anything that we can do that will you know, simplify that process from a customer experience standpoint, from a customer perspective, can be data, can be user experience. And, and thirdly, we're trying to also think about new products and services. We know there is, you know, if you look at the the service for there's multiple augment uh, needs in the financial in the in the SMB world, and definitely we have certain products today, but that doesn't mean that they are products that you know serve all their needs of a small business. So now we're very mindful of certain areas that we don't think our current products had fulfill at their best. And we're trying to innovate and create a new product solutions that they basically take care of it. Uh, and finally, we are very trying to expand this around the world. So we're our our views today, we are in four markets and we want to continue to expand and in beyond markets. And we hopefully will start seeing new products and new markets pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I'll like echo like the, the comments are very similar, right? It's fundamentally it's about solving customer problems. Um, and looking out ahead to see what those next problems are, just talking to our customers, understanding the need, and building financial services products that, that fit those needs and meet those needs, because then the customers will just be delighted and wow, and they can come in, and it just it's just automatic and easy for them. It's like one click to get a loan once you sign up for payments, for example. It's just super, everything's just super easy. It all comes together seamlessly. Um, I think the other aspect here is how do you how do we continue to bring in more data sources that can help us open up more access, like give larger loans to folks in a, in a prudent manner. Like this is a highly regulated and highly risky business. It's not an easy thing to go build, to go build a lending business, right? Like many of the challenger banks are struggling to monetize because they haven't figured out how to do lending yet. Um, PayPal, Square have both figured it out. And that is the great like baseline to, to start with. 
Um, but fundamentally, when you enter any new international market, like all of these products are regulated in a different way, and the risks are different. You have to get new data sources and figure it out. So, as I, like as we mentioned before on the on the growth side, like demand has been overstimulated, um, and the supply is fixed, so there's inflation. And I think Goldman called for 33% chance of recession. I know there's other other folks that are trying, like starting to predict recession now as well. So we have to maintain the right prudent balance. Um, before like like through cycle like that's the other massive part of, of like running a lending business is making sure that um making sure that like you can take prudent risk throughout cycle not just when times are good right and so yes we saw covid but we actually haven't seen a real recession yet and so it's it's gonna be interesting to see um what, what happens in the market on the way forward and make sure we can support our customers through whatever comes right this was luke voilus general manager at square banking and Bernardo Martinez, Vice President of Global Merchant Lending at PayPal. To read the transcript of our conversation, head over to Tearsheet.co and make sure you subscribe to Where Credits Do wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be out with a new episode every two weeks, bringing you conversations with industry leaders on the ever-changing lending landscape. And if you're interested in more content, you can subscribe to our lending newsletter and briefing in your inbox every other week. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the next one.